Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. Lord willing, our intention is to go verse by verse and chapter by chapter through the entire Bible. Here to continue that journey is our Bible teacher at Into the Word, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. If you have your Bible with you, I'd love you to open it now to Leviticus chapter 13. I think I mentioned in the episode on chapter 1 that for many contemporary Christians, the book of Leviticus is where Bible reading plans go to die. We get off to such a great start in January as we're reading through Genesis. And then Exodus 2, of course, is a wonderful story filled with very accessible narratives. And then we run into Leviticus like a brick wall. It is so incredibly foreign and seemingly so completely removed from the soul and essence of Christian faith. Nowhere is that feeling more acute than right here in Leviticus chapter 13. This is a chapter-long discussion about skin disease and fabric rot. And that just does not seem as obviously or immediately edifying as Romans chapter 12 or Mark chapter 4 or James chapter 5. And yet, this is in the Bible for a reason. And it is teaching something very important. But you have to learn the language of the text and the function of the genre and the background of the culture to help you understand and appreciate what is going on. Let me quote for you again John Calvin's assessment of the ceremonial law as a whole. He said, The ceremonial law of the Jews was a tutelage by which the Lord was pleased to exercise, as it were, the childhood of that people, until the fullness of the time should come when he was fully to manifest his wisdom to the world and exhibit the reality of those things which were then adumbrated by figures. Closed quote. So the ceremonial law of the Jews was a tutelage. It was primarily about teaching things related to who God is, who we are, what sin does, how it spreads, and how we may be healed and saved. That is its primary function. So we have to keep that truth foremost in our minds as we work our way through this part of the text. Andrew Bonner, the 19th century Scottish pastor and scholar, does a good job of that in his commentary. He says here, Jehovah opens up sin under the figure of leprosy, sin as an evil scene and disgusting when seen, sin diffusive as well as penetrating, closed quote. So Bonner understood the leprosy in this chapter in all of its various manifestations as a divinely instituted type or figure of sin. The general working of leprosy, or tsa'ara'at as it is in Hebrew, whether translated as leprosy or rot, was intended to show forth sin in all its features. Bonner expounds on that theme and those features at considerable length. He says, leprosy is also corrosive and penetrates unseen, almost unfelt, till it has wasted the substance, like sin in the soul, eating out its beauty and its very life, while outwardly the sinner moves about as before. At length, it bursts forth externally, too. The man becomes a skeleton and a mass of noisome corruption. So does sin, at length, deface the whole image of God and every faint vestige of comeliness that was left, and death 
is the sure end, closed quote. Now, we struggle with that as 21st century readers because the connection in our minds between sin and disease has been almost totally broken. And to some extent, that's a good thing. Jesus rebuked the disciples for assuming that there was always a connection between sin and disease. In John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, it says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Closed quote. Now, interestingly, Jesus doesn't say that there is no connection between the divine purpose and the human condition of this man. He just says it isn't simply a matter of he sinned, therefore he is sick. There is divine purpose, but it is more complicated than that. But the point is, the Jews had been conditioned to see some kind of connection, whereas we moderns have been conditioned to deny any connection. And therein lies a great deal of the disconnect when we approach passages of this type. Hebrew scholar Baruch Levine says here, Generally speaking, all disease was regarded as a punishment from God for some wrongdoing. In the case of Tesara'at specifically, there was a tradition that it represented a punishment from God for acts of malice, such as Miriam's malicious criticism of Moses, reported in Numbers 12, 1-3. So, the Jews were guilty of being over-specific in connecting this disease to that sin. Levine speaks of just such a tradition with respect to leprosy, and the disciples were guilty of over-specific connecting in John chapter 9. So that was their issue. But our issue is that we struggle to see any connection at all. There was a connection, let's remember, between Miriam's criticism of Moses and her experience of leprosy in Numbers 12, 1-3. And there was, for example, a connection between sin and the paralysis of the young man that Jesus healed in Mark 2. We know that because Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven, Mark 2, verse 5. Jesus made that connection when he could have very easily said, Pick up your bed and go home. Son, you are healed. So we need a little help seeing these connections. But the Old Testament person did not. He or she understood, particularly as a member of the covenant community, particularly given their mandate to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, they understood that with the tabernacle in their midst, their lives and their community would be telling a story to the nations at all times. They would have understood that this was about more than controlling an infectious disease. Although it was, it was not not about that, but it was about more than that. It was about the importance of purity, physical and spiritual, for the people and for the nation of God. So that's what's going on here. There are multiple levels of reality in this story for those who have eyes to see it. Now that's a lot of introduction, but having put that out there, we should be able to read through the text now at forest level. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priests, and the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area 
has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body, and appears no deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days, and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if in his eyes the disease is checked, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days, and the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin, after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest. And the priest shall look. And if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. So here we see that the Hebrew priests also functioned in a sort of civil capacity. They were public health officials to some degree. Now again, people in this culture assumed a connection between physical and spiritual health. So priest physicians actually made a lot of sense to them. And typologically, we're supposed to be looking at the health and the spiritual realities simultaneously, one through the lens of the other. So what do we see here? We see, first of all, that there is some kind of diagnostic standard and process. The priest doesn't just pray and, and ask God whether this really and truly is a case of leprosy. He, he's not addressing this problem in a charismatic or in a mystical sense. He's practicing science here. He's using observation. He has been trained to notice things. He is testing. He is measuring. He is classifying. So I think we would say that we don't just want to wing it when we are assessing the reality, the penetration, and the spread of sin in a person's life. Pastoring, in a sense, ought to be somewhat clinical. Evidence should be examined. Extent should be measured. Trajectory should be noted and recorded as part of any prescribed course of pastoral action and spiritual remediation. Zooming out a little bit, let's also notice that one of the main themes here is that sin spreads, and therefore quarantine is a tool not just against infectious diseases, but also against spiritual contamination. The Tyndale Old Testament commentary says here, the Hebrew priest physicians appear to have been the first in the ancient world to isolate persons suspected of infectious or contagious diseases, closed quote. So this wasn't just cultural practice. This wasn't something everybody around them was doing. This was something God ordained. It was helpful in the physical realm, and it was teaching something in the spiritual realm. Verse 9. When a man is afflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall look. And if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprous disease in the skin of his body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. And if the leprous disease breaks out in the skin, so that the leprous disease covers all the skin of the diseased person from head to foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and if the leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. It has all turned white, and he is clean. 
But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean, and the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean, for it is a leprous disease. But if the raw flesh recovers and turns white again, then he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And if the disease has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce the diseased person clean. He is clean. In verses 9 to 11, it seems that an actual case of what we today call leprosy, what is often called Hansen's disease, is being described here. Many of the skin disorders described in this chapter are not leprosy per se, leprosy as we understand it today. One of the paragraphs is clearly talking about psoriasis. The Hebrew term tsaraat can refer to leprosy, psoriasis, skin rash, allergic rash, and as we will soon see, mold and fiber rot. So it is a broad and elastic term. But here, it does seem as though we are talking about actual leprosy. If the priest detects that, there is no cure. He must be declared unclean. If, however, it is not leprosy, it is something else, something that covers the whole body, which leprosy doesn't do. Then, after examination, he should be declared clean. Verse 18. If there is in the skin of one's body a boil, and it heals, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling, or a reddish-white spot, then it shall be shown to the priest, and the priest shall look. And if it appears deeper than the skin, and its hair has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease that has broken out in the boil. But if the priest examines it, and there is no white hair in it, and it is not deeper than the skin, but is faded, then the priest shall shut him up seven days. And if it spreads in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a disease. But if the spot remains in one place and does not spread, it is the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Here we are dealing with a boil or a carbuncle. The priest has been trained to distinguish between those that spread and those that don't. The basic process again involves an initial observation with measurements and notations, followed by two weeks of quarantine, a subsequent observation, followed by a pronouncement or diagnosis. Verse 24. Or, when the body has a burn on its skin and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a spot, reddish, white, or white, the priest shall examine it. And if the hair in the spot has turned white and it appears deeper than the skin, then it is a leprous disease. It has broken out in the burn and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease. But if the priest examines it, and there is no white hair in the spot, and it is no deeper than the skin, but has faded, the priest shall shut him up seven days, and the priest shall examine him the seventh day. If it is spreading in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease. But if the spot remains in one place, and does not spread in the skin, but has faded, it is a swelling from the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is the scar of the burn. Burns on the skin would have been very common in that culture, and most would heal in due time. However, burns could become infected, and would then need to be examined by the priest. Once again, the process of observation, assessment, measurement, quarantine, re-examination, diagnosis, and pronouncement is closely followed. Verse 29. When a man or woman has a disease on the head or the beard, the priest shall examine the disease. 
and if it appears deeper than the skin, and the hair in it is yellow and thin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an itch, a leprous disease of the head or the beard. And if the priest examines the itching disease, and it appears no deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall shut up the person with the itching disease for seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the disease. If the itch has not spread, and there is in it no yellow hair, and the itch appears to be no deeper than the skin, then he shall shave himself, but the itch he shall not shave, and the priest shall shut up the person with the itching disease for another seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the itch. And if the itch has not spread in the skin, and it appears to be no deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the itch spreads in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him. And if the itch has spread in the skin, the priest need not seek for the yellow hair. He is unclean. But if in his eyes the itch is unchanged and black hair has grown in it, the itch is healed and he is clean and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Some commentators think that the condition being dealt with here is a case of what we refer to today as ringworm. Once again, the process involves observation, assessment, measurement, quarantine, re-examination, diagnosis, and public pronouncement, this time with a little aftercare and cleansing added in as well. Verse 38, when a man or a woman has spots on the skin of the body, white spots, the priest shall look. And if the spots on the skin of the body are of a dull white, it is leucoderma that has broken out in the skin. He is clean. We're not sure what is being described here. Some say it could be eczema or even acne. The point is it is not leprosy. It is not a matter of concern, and therefore the individual is to be declared clean. Verse 40. If a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald, he is clean. And if a man's hair falls out from his forehead, he has baldness of the forehead, he is clean. But if there is on the bald head or the bald forehead a reddish-white diseased area, it is a leprous disease breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine him. And if the disease swelling is reddish white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprous disease in the skin of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean. His disease is on his head. This section, of course, is not about ordinary baldness, but baldness caused by a skin condition. The priest knows what to look for and conducts a thorough examination. Verse 45. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So once all the lesser afflictions have been identified and dealt with, here we have a brief paragraph about the fate that awaited the person with a truly serious condition. He must be visibly identifiable as a leper so as to avoid accidental contact. And he must live outside the camp as long as he has the disease. On a human level, of course, this is nothing short of a living death sentence. There was no cure for leprosy and no effective treatment. Quarantine was the only option. 
He would be cut off from family and cut off from worship. Thus, it is easy to see why leprosy came to serve as such an obvious symbol for sin. Sin cuts us off. Eventually, if we let it spread, if it sinks down deep enough, sin will cut us off from all we love, and sin will lead us outside the camp and away from God. That isn't accidental. That seems to be the point here. Michael Morales says, With the Eden narratives serving to inform the symbolism of the cultus, including its rituals, being clean may have been understood in terms of admittance to Eden, while being banished from Israel's camp would have been a sort of reenactment of the fall when Adam and Eve were expelled from Eden. As Adam and Eve experienced a living death when they were expelled from Eden, so every man who was diagnosed as unclean suffered a similar fate. Closed quote. Obviously, this helps explain why the healing of actual lepers features so prominently in the gospel narratives. The gospel writers are saying that only Jesus can truly heal us and restore us to one another and to God. Praise the Lord. Verse 47. When there is a case of leprous disease in a garment, whether a woolen or a linen garment, in warp or woof of linen or wool, or in a skin or in anything made of skin, if the disease is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the skin or in the warp or the woof or in any article made of skin, it is a case of leprous disease, and it shall be shown to the priest. And the priest shall examine the disease and shut up that which has the disease for seven days. Then he shall examine the disease on the seventh day. If the disease has spread in the garment, in the warp, or the woof, or in the skin, whatever be the use of the skin, the disease is a persistent leprous disease. It is unclean. And he shall burn the garment, or the warp, or the woof, the wool, or the linen, or any article made of skin that is diseased. For it is a persistent leprous disease. It shall be burned in the fire. And if the priest examines... And if the disease has not spread in the garment, in the warp, or the woof, or in any article made of skin, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is the disease, and he shall shut it up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine the diseased thing after it has been washed. And if the appearance of the diseased area has not changed, though the disease has not spread, it is unclean. You shall burn it in the fire, whether the rod is on the back or on the front. But if the priest examines, and if the diseased area has faded after it has been washed, he shall tear it out of the garment, or the skin, or the warp, or the woof. Then, if it appears again in the garment, in the warp, or the woof, or in any article made of skin, it is spreading. He shall burn with fire whatever has the disease. But the garment, or the warp, or the woof, or any article made of skin from which the disease departs when you have washed it, shall then be washed a second time and be clean. This is the law for a case of leprous disease in a garment of wool or linen, either in the warp or the woof or in any article made of skin, to determine whether it is clean or unclean. So the process for dealing with mildew or fungus in a fabric was the same basic process as for dealing with leprosy in a person. 
The priest made an initial examination, according to certain taxonomies that he was familiar with. There were observations, measurements, notations, and then a quarantine period followed by subsequent observation and prescription. As to that very interesting phrase, the warp and the woof, which you'll only find here in the Bible, R.K. Harrison explains helpfully, the fungus growth affects the entire article by its presence, just as the taint of original sin reaches to all areas of the human personality, closed quote. So warp and woof is like saying root and branch. Sin spreads. Left unchecked, it will destroy and despoil the entire person and the entire community. Thanks be to God for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, friends, for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those at intotheword.ca. You can also connect with Pastor Paul and other Bible readers on the Into the Word Facebook page. Just type Into the Word into the search bar. If you'd like to contribute to this listener-supported program, go to the website and click the Give bar in the top right corner. Once again, that's intotheword.ca. We hope to see you again real soon right here for another episode of Into the Word. Thank you.